keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and I am joined, as always, in crystal clear audio by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? I'm feeling good. And your how audio you, immediately cuts out as soon as I say that. So thank you. No! Oh, it was great. It was perfect. But more importantly, we are joined today uh, by the uh, John Swartzwalder of our show, Mike Lawrence. Mike, how are you? That is the greatest compliment I have ever gotten, and I'm almost about to cry. (laughs) And I know why you said it. It wasn't the brilliance as much as the distance, but I'm going to fucking take it. Let's go. Let's go across the board. It it works. Uh, Before before we get into this, our our fourth man on the scene, uh, Dan St. Germain, uh, was unable to to join today, but he did ask. For us to whore for him, uh, that <laughs> he is going to be headlining. Can, the can Yonkers- I do it? Oh, yeah, by all means. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be at Yonkers Comedy Club next week. So, like, please come because I, I really fucking need this man. Oh, God. Jesus. Oh, man. That is, it's like he's here. You're like the AI Dan St. Germain. <laughs> I did a whole hour special as him. It's it, 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 it's called Please Like Me. Oh, that's actually my daily podcast with Nick Hausman. Yeah, the jokes are computer generated, but the dogs in the back are real. Uh, all right. Well, we got a a, a big uh, a big show for you guys. Not as but last week we went like forever, Scott. But this week we're going to keep it nice and tight. Yeah, this uh, isn't a big show. This is more like a Paul White show. This is a this is a uh, a little big show, like Big Little Brawlers, which is uh, on <laughs> Discovery. That's one of the, the the superstars. Hey, they came on. They did my show. And and like uh, my friend Swerve, uh, we were able to hear what they were saying while they were on. So we'll, we'll give them that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk uh, Kevin Dunn being gone. We're going to talk uh, Dynamite or Dud. Uh, but Believe it or not, guys, we're starting with something that came from Monday Night Raw, something that Mike actually wants to talk about that came from Monday Night Raw. Uh, On Monday night, Jinder Mahal confronted Seth Rollins and challenged him to a world title match. And next week, the, the Raw main event going up against the Emmys will be Jinder Mahal versus Seth Rollins. And if you didn't know about that match because you watched Raw Live, like my fucking sad existence, you sure as hell knew about it because the owner of the rival promotion had a social media meltdown. Mike, I'll let you take a first crack at this. Yeah, the guy who runs a wrestling company thinks it's real. It's, I mean, it's insane. He, like, it's funny because... Look, and, um, you know, I got my diagnosis two years ago, and uh, 
I'm just now feeling comfortable judging other autistic people. Uh, this this was like in, embarrassing across the board because, you know, as we know, and, and as I focus the most on out of all of us, because I am obsessed with this kind of shit. This is a guy who had a ranking system that he then got rid of that is no longer a thing because one, it was always superfluous, and two, you are just going to tell the stories you want and book the, the show the way you want. But yeah, bringing up Jinder Mahal's win-loss record <laughs> was the fucking silliest thing. I I mean, it's it's so like, look, look, Jinder Mahal sucks. Don't don't get me wrong. And 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 you know, people who are like, this is going to make Jinder Mahal a star. No, that would have happened. But. At the same time, this makes Tony Khan look like a fucking goof. Yeah, I, I will defend Jinder just because uh, uh, he's a friend of mine. He, he's he's good at the what they call the WWE main event style. He can tell those types of stories. It's kind of what they ask of him. He's not great, but he's not like, you know, Joe Coy. But Scott, as the as the guy on Tony Khan's payroll, what did you think? You when mean you an Asian boss? that shouldn't have been there? Damn it. <laughs> That was the better joke. Fuck. <laughs> Scott, all right, you're on Tony's payroll. What would you think when you saw this? Man, I thought it was some real dickhead business. I hated it. It made me really mad because, you know, you want to support a company and then an owner does something. I mean, it's like genuinely um, it, it goes beyond petty. You're insulting uh, a performer. This isn't the first time he's gone out of his way to insult um, a wrestler and how they work. It. You're not a worker. You're not a wrestler. You're just a boss. Keep your mouth shut about stuff like that. You sound like a critic. You sound like a mark. Uh, you know, and the response, it, it was a very markish thing. He was offended by a, like a small minority of people were were shitting on the fact that Hook was asking for a title shot from Joe. When the vast majority of people don't watch Collision and had no idea it happened. Yeah, dude, most of us didn't even know. No one even cared, right? And um, and then this gender thing happens, and I'm sure if he gave it any breathing time, other people would have complained as well because both have a similar booking issue. Should they be getting title shots, hook, or gender? No, not really. Is it wrestling, and does it not matter? Yes. Are you both going to make it work? Yes, the hook thing is going to work. And I think gender, no, like Mike said, I don't think he's going to be a made guy from this, but I think Monday night he's going to be a star. I, I don't think Tony realizes what he did in terms of Monday's maybe not ratings, but Jinder and Seth are going to show the fuck up on Monday. And I, I'm assuming they're going to have a great match and they're really going to make Tony look like an idiot because Absolutely. again, it is wrestling and all you have to do is write a way to make Tony look like an idiot. And they just got to go. Yep. We're we've decided to have a great match now and, and they will make it happen. Seth can definitely make it happen. Well, what's even weirder is the Rollins gender segment itself acknowledged how fucking stupid this was. Like gender comes out and Rollins is literally like, why, why are you even here? This is weird. Gender then points out they have a, a history together. Uh, Rollins actually beat gender to win the first NXT title. Uh, but more than that, it was him saying, look, I'm a former world champion. I demand to be treated with respect. And Seth's like, I'm the workhorse guy. I'll fight anybody. So that's all you really needed. You didn't need the, 
you know, there's records. They're not like gender. They just put a graphic up like what Tony does a lot of the times where it's just tonight on Dynamite, it's going to be this. And there's no reason for it. They did well, try to give it in, in, which is Tony Khan's fucking wheelhouse. Hey, remember 11 years ago when Jinder Mahal faced Seth Rollins? We're paying off that storyline tonight. Like that should have made Tony come harder than anything else. It, it's even more of a Tony thing than just that, which is a great point. It It, it is something that they were, in a way, course correcting or, or answering some some people last week who were going, well, why was Jinder out there with The Rock? We didn't see Jinder at all. Oh, well, now we'll see Jinder a bit more. It's It was weird last week, and now we'll try to make it make sense. I'm fine with it. It's wrestling. He's allowed to be out there even though we haven't seen him for a year. They're allowed to write whatever they want. You can't um, – and again, it's not WWE saying, oh – Oh, wait, wasn't it like WWE on Fox and USA Network? Um, it was USA's things. Twitter thing that took and a again, shot at the ratings like, for Tony. Yeah, it's like, don't you know these are like interns and shit? Come on, man. You're not fighting with Triple H right now. You look like an idiot. Scott, Scott, he doesn't know that because he does all the tweeting <laughs> he it's for like, his company himself. Yeah, you're right. It's like... Uh, There's man, no delegation. So that that's weird to him. I mean... I, I look at this, it, it's interesting because, yeah, it's like the presentation of gender has been tongue-in-cheek, like especially last week when they're like, we will be visited by a world champion. And it's like they know, you know, and 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 so it's like to, to get mad at something and not being on the joke. But, but then also, ultimately, the issue that, that you know, I think it always comes back to with, with, with Tony for me and, and, and tweets like this, is just do your job you have so many responsibilities um and 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 a lot of which you are not fulfilling as, as is very evident by your television product you know until until every fucking ass is in every seat in your in, in every live show you do until your ratings are up until your fucking video game is playable and enjoyed <laughs> Until your fucking action figures are selling right off the shelves, shut the fuck up, do your job, and focus on your own company. He can't help himself. He wants to try to no. take the spotlight off of anything negative about his company and turn it on. I think his hope was people were going to rise up and say, yeah, WWE absolutely sucks. And instead it was, why are you the president of a company saying this? Why are you promoting uh, another company's main event? And then people were calling out Eric Bischoff. I think Dax posted like Bischoff when he called out Vince McMahon. You know why v Bischoff did that? Because they were so fucking desperate and pathetic for any kind of ratings that they wanted to like take a shot at Vince to get him to respond. I don't think Tony's in that position, but that's how it comes across. I mean, here's the, here's the thing, right? Tony brought up the last year of WWE continuity. And nothing makes you look more like a loser than showing that you're paying attention to WWE. <laughs> yes. You know, it, it It was just, it's like, it's that whole thing. Like, look, you know, we, we always, you know, people always shat on Vince, right? Of like, oh, he doesn't watch the other product and this and that. And look, Vince has had a lot of problems, has a lot of problems. But to Vince's credit, he was focusing on his own giant conglomeration and he fucking cared about that more than what the other guys were doing. And he did have people that would watch and scout and things like that. He didn't need to, you know, it's, 
it's this weird thing of like with, with Tony, it just it's like it's embarrassing because you you still like at, at this point I no longer like really like him or anything, but I do feel for a lot of his individual employees. And knowing that like they're texting him and they're worried about their positions and their livelihoods and shit. And this guy's fucking watching Jinder Mahal matches and <laughs> deciding, you know, and, and writing down W or L on a fucking spreadsheet. It's so sad. It's incredibly sad. And I think it's scary because, you know, you said like Jinder's not going to be a star from this, but right yeah. now, WWE. But Jinder, just, just... like, sorry, I, I, I do want to like to not be so mean to Jinder. Ginger is not going to be a star from this, but in a in a show with fifty two weeks of television, you got to put different shit on, and this works for a one week of those fifty two weeks for a main event. It's fine. It's beyond even that. What I was going to say is, if you if you're seeing what they're doing of late, like they took the Miz and they built that story with him and Gunther to the point where they had a credible match for the Intercontinental Title. More importantly, they took our Truth, who was sitting on the shelf injured hasn't been on tv hasn't been relevant in years made him a white hot baby face and then put together that video package that aired this week of him as a member of judgment day like Which if they really want hilarious. to that's what i was gonna get to you in a minute like if they want to they've now shown they can pretty much make anybody feel relevant i know it's rare for mike to ever text the group and say hey there was something funny on wwe tv but i want your thoughts on that that our truth segment yeah, I mean that I, that guy is amazing. He's someone that they've obviously, uh, you know, he's he's a lifer as he should be because he's just great at what he does. Look, like you, I'm sure you could look at Cage Match, and I don't know if he ever had a match over three stars or whatever. You know, even though he's been in the business for almost thirty years, but he's fucking entertaining. You know, he's. He's been in that Santino slot even longer than Santino now, and it works. I remember, you know, I think I said, like, I, I met him once, and he was, like, the most genuine, real person I think I've ever met in wrestling. He was just a regular dude who knows what his job is, and he delivers it excellently. And, yeah, it was like, you watch that video, it's, what, like, two minutes? But the Photoshop jokes, the verbal jokes, just everything about it is just funny and entertaining, which is, you know, a lot of times what we want from wrestling. It's, you know, we want wrestling when it's dramatic to be really dramatic. And when it's trying to be funny, it often fails. This was actually funny because I think our truth is actually funny. He's funny and it was endearing. And more importantly, when like Damian Priest destroys him, He's going to get massive heel heat from that, and yeah. that's how you build uh, a story. Scott, what did you think of that that R Truth segment? Oh yeah, I was crazy about it. I loved it. I thought it was great. And um, again, it's like this post Kevin Dunn era, and it's the first week of that. And so uh, every video package I looked at a little differently and was excited for for the things to come. So yeah, that's the next thing I was going to say because we didn't talk about it last week. But ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh, Kevin Dunn is finally gone from WWE after almost a 40-year stranglehold on the business. Um, I've I've worked for Kevin. I've worked with Kevin. I hated dealing with him. He was a creative roadblock at almost every path. 
uh, him being gone from the that WWE. Sounds like something his teeth are. <laughs> yes, he's gone. We're thrilled. We're super happy. He's a piece of shit. Uh, nobody that worked for Kevin enjoyed working for him. I got so many messages from former colleagues who were thrilled about the fact that Kevin Dunn is gone because he blocked any ability for the show to be uh, revitalized, done in a fresh new perspective. He was lazy. He was complacent. He was combative. And for whatever reason, he always held Vince's ear. So really thrilled that Kevin is gone. Excited to see what the company is going to do going forward. I wish they made a send off video package for him of just like random shots of him. <laughs> you, you can't <laughs> put that Creed guy on playing TV. in the background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we lost Vince Laurinaitis and Kevin Dunn. Like 2023. Really, you know delivered. why it doesn't sit Rob, right, Robert? Robert, you can tell we did because we just spent a few minutes complimenting something we saw on Raw. That's kind of it, but that's literally like some of that shit would never have gotten there because if it was Kevin, he would have been like, "This ain't a fart joke," and that would have been like his contribution to the whole thing. Oh, the Sammy thing, you know, which was I, I think a lot of us, you know, uh, so it was our favorite thing. Like, but but he's not Samoan. Why why would he be in the? <laughs> that that in itself won enough. I mean, it, it's this is what I want. What I want to happen. I want Kevin Dunn to get in the, the the. Hear me out. I want him to get in the Hall of Fame this year. I want I want him to immediately as he gets up be told that he has to wrap it up. I want his entrance to be very shaky, and I want the moment that he actually you know. uh says thank you and all that to be cut away to something else. <laughs> I want them piping in booze. <laughs> I'm sure Robert, they have an asshole chant ready to go. Robert, you don't need to pipe in. You don't need to, <laughs> no, I want to double down. Um, or maybe <laughs> either that or maybe just blast Judas as loud as possible. Yeah. Either way. Oh, the Angry Beavers theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know what would be amazing if, if CM Punk was like, I'm sick of these counterfeit buckies. <laughs> so they replaced Kevin Dunn with this guy, Lee Fitting, who, who was with ESPN for a long time. He's done college game day. He's done Monday Night Football. He's a guy who knows how to do live TV and live sports. And the reason why I'm sure they're super excited to have him is he's a guy who knows how to make the presentation look legitimate and real i don't think he's going to come in and step on the creative in the way that kevin dunn would of oh i don't think becky lynch is hot enough so we really shouldn't push her or years ago i think christian looks weird we really shouldn't use that guy on tv or kowtowing to like weird vinceisms so i think it's a guy who's going to come in he'll he'll make the television look good and he'll leave it to more talented people like rob fee to come up with really interesting creative presentations for the wrestlers. Well, that's, you know, and, and that often is like, right. This is what, what we're saying about Tony Khan and stuff. Part of what makes a talented leader is being able to run a team and, and being able to, to have the humility and hubris to say, I can't do anything or even, even, or even saying, I can do this, but there are people that are better at this. Like, and, and that, you know, but enough about Joe Coy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I, I want to talk about that just for a sec. As someone who's written on award shows and all that, when he, when he threw writers under the bus, it's like, 
Look, if a comic wants to go up and do their whole monologue that they wrote themselves, that's fine. But we also are an insurance policy that's there to make you look good and cover your ass. So like, maybe we know what we're talking about. But yeah, it's, it is interesting. I saw like a similarity of Joe and Tony in like, I don't need writers. And, 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 and Tony like needing to feel like every reaction is his but the problem is you know every criticism is his and he can't take them yeah Back. he he's more vince than vince yeah it is it is odd um as, as someone who that, by the way, at, more Vince than Vince is like literally the opposite of the white zombie song, more human than human. <laughs> what I would love to have seen is Tony sends out those tweets about gender. Like, I would have loved to have seen Shivani's reaction to this. I mean, like, this didn't work the last time that we tried to denigrate somebody. Maybe, maybe don't do that this time. Like, this is going to put some butts in seats. Uh, you know, I thought Jinder's response was kind of weak because Jinder was like, who is Hook? And it's like, no, the whole thing is we're not throwing wrestlers under the bus for no fucking reason. I, uh, he deleted it. it yeah. yeah. But but then like, and then again, and then like then Dax got involved because it's like Hook's our friend. It's like, what are we doing? God? I know. It, uh, someone someone said that shit it for in, Facebook. Facebook, but they were like, if there was ever a moment for Scott to say loser shit. Yes, all of man. this was loser shit. Like all around loser shit. Yeah, it was. It's goofy and weird, and I think the the big winner will wind up probably being Raw Monday night because I'm sure they'll do a pretty good. I mean, well, I guess they are up against the Emmys, but who's hosting the Emmys this year? Is it Kimmel? I didn't even look. I don't get. I don't even know. I forgot. Oh, because of the strike, they were pushed back. Because of the yeah. strike, they pushed it back. The only reason I knew was because uh, Rachel was like, "Hey, we're watching the Emmys Monday night." I was like, "Oh man, I want to see well, Jinder." I, I just hope the Bear wins again for best comedy because boy, does it make me laugh. That's what sucked. Like it's a, I enjoy the hell out of that show. It's yeah. not a comedy. No, it's just it's no. a, it's it's a comedy because it's thirty minutes long. I mean, look, like the the fact that the Golden Globes, <laughs> sorry, that they they nominated a movie. I don't know if you guys saw it, and I did, and it was a really good movie. May December, did you see that? I haven't seen that yet. I saw it on Netflix. Okay, so it's very fucking dark. If you, if you know what it's about, it's Natalie Portman plays this actress who's doing a movie about a woman who was in her thirties and started fucking her son's best friend who was thirteen years old. And now they're like, you know, 20 years older. So like the, the son's friend is like in his 30s and Julianne Moore plays the mom. Um, that was nominated as a comedy. And the fact that you had that nominated as a comedy and the Epstein list come out at the same time and you don't make a fucking joke about that. Like it's literally all of the all of the pieces are there. You just have to put the joke together yourself. Well, the weirdest thing is all week I got sucked into a uh, 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 down the rabbit hole because it's the 25th anniversary of Sopranos. So they've been airing every episode on HBO two like in order. And yeah. I just started watching it like the randomly the second episode everyone was on. I'm like, all right, I start watching. Got sucked all, all the way in that show. 
is way more of a comedy than a lot of the stuff that gets nominated for comedies. Like it is a genuinely funny hour long show. It's such a weird mix and blend of what's considered a comedy or a drama in, in 2024. The Emmys is hosted by Anthony Anderson. And as they said that an umpire just went safe. <laughs> so that'll yes. be, he'll be good. Yes. Yeah. No, he is a, uh... Anthony, if all you have to do is Google him to find out he's a lot like Chris Jericho. <laughs> that guy sucks. <laughs> well, maybe they'll just play his theme song the whole time. Yes. They'll just it, it, have the blackish theme playing through the whole show. <laughs> he was only good when Jim Carrey played his dad. Yeah, I liked him better when he was fat. I liked him better when he was in Kangaroo Jack. Yeah, now he's like melting. Well, because he's got like, you know, all I see him is in those diabetes commercials where they're like, hey, if you have diabetes, you're going to die. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> super, super fun and uplifting guy to to, to host the Emmys because I don't think he's they, they never gave him an Emmy, have they? I don't think he won one for, for well, Blackish. Because he's from Blackish and stuff. That probably won a bunch of Emmys, right? No, I think it was nominated a bunch of times. I don't think he ever won. Oh. Uh... So there were there were other uh, funny things on like ER. All right. Well, we are going to uh, <laughs> uh we're going to shift over to uh to Dynamite or Dud. That was from Daly's place and I guess shame on me for having high hopes that they were really going to try to like over-deliver cuz they've been hyping up Daly's place. I said if you could turn this into like a Madison Square Garden kind of vibe that Anytime yeah. there's Daly's Place, massive stuff happens. And instead, it was a pretty flat two hours of TV. Well. There was what I'm waiting for. Yeah, I thought the crowd was very hot. I thought it did feel like. No, the crowd like was freezing coming. cold. They were all in coats. <laughs> uh, it did feel like a homecoming. I feel like part of that was. Um, everyone was expecting Sasha. And so you get that opening match. You're like, hell yeah. You get the second segment. You're like, okay. Well, hold on. Before you start. So the opening match was Hangman Page and Claudio Castagnoli. And all due respect to Tony Khan, who I know really cares about continuity and storytelling. There was no fucking reason for Claudio Castagnoli and Hangman Adam Page to be wrestling each other. Yeah, well, but, the, you know. Why not? They can wrestle, you know, hang. They can, back. but you could, but, but again, that's my point. Claudio like, you said can on do collision, whatever you want. You know, hey, you want to fight? You could fucking fight me. You're walking around here like a tough guy. You, uh, it works, you know. But doesn't Hangman have an issue with like the devil and all those guys? So why is he not fighting one of those fucking clowns? Um, well, because it turned out that, and they said this a few weeks ago, that Samoa Joe, um, had the devil take him out. So part of Samoa Joe's deal with the devil was. He would uh, turn on Max, remember that whole turn on thing where they got the titles, and he would take out Hangman because Hangman was getting in his shit like, what, a month and a half ago, I guess, two months ago? Sure. Uh, Hangman beats Claudio Castagnoli. It was a match that happened on TV. The next match... I thought it was very good, though. It was It was a very solid match. I'm not saying oh, it I was, wasn't. Yeah, I loved it. It was just kind of like, it was just kind of there. Uh, the next match was one of the they did two Brody Lee tribute matches. The first one, it was Orange Cassidy, Dustin Rhodes, who recovered from a cinder block to his foot about two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, Preston Vance 
and some random jabron named Adam Copeland, who I guess used to be a big star in another company, but he's just like the random number four in a eight man match against yeah, Brian he's Cage on the edge of irrelevancy. Thank you. Uh, against Brian Cage, <laughs> Gates of Agony, and are you fucking kidding me, Lance Archer? Scott, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I thought this was bad. I think um I love the little Brody tribute uh, tributes throughout the show. I think that's great, and and, yeah. and to follow up with that every year is uh, very cool. Um, I think when you have a tribute match, you you can do an easy job of it, and they really muckied it up. And he does this thing; he's been doing it every year, where it's like uh, he acts like negative one is helping him book it. And let's say that's the case, like. I don't think it is. If it is, okay, I guess, because my hands are tied in that situation. But it's just, like, bad booking. The last time we saw Negative One, Preston Vance turned on him. Remember Negative One was, like, crying? And Preston Vance, like, took off his own mask or whatever? Yeah, that's the dumbest Preston part Vance of this. Preston Vance is on the good guy's side? Why? You know, you know what I think happened, and, and we knew that this might happen, um, is... Negative one at some point was going to become like a teenager and be too cool for wrestling and not even be interested anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like he was, I mean, I like he was what, uh, 10 or 11 when, um, I, you know, I'm not making like fun that, of yeah. it, no, but like when he became like an on screen character, and that was probably the fucking funnest thing when you're 10, and then like now he's what, like 13, and he's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, yeah, make Edge, make Edge show up on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, I gotta, I gotta date. I'm, I, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go try to get to first base with, with some girl. <laughs> I don't need to hang out with Preston Vance. <laughs> this he's is Mike just being Fortnite jealous that friends. No, this is Mike being jealous that Negative One has an action figure and Mike doesn't. And I'm damn a, right. Yes, but yeah, Mike this was also like, would be on clearance. This yeah, well no, that was Samoa Joe. Didn't you send us Samoa Joe's action figures on clearance? Yeah, but so is negative one. Oh well, I guess people don't want to have an underage boy action figure as part of their wrestling collection. (laughs) Yeah, but think about you go to you go to Epstein Island, man. You got some merch. (laughs) That may be where uh, they do their. Then they have like a, a fighter fest, isn't that one of their themes? They could do that at Epstein Island. I love uh, I love that Stephen Hawking was at Epstein Island, proving that Epstein Island was more accessible than any episode of AEW television. Dude, Gilligan's Island, but uh, Jericho's cruise crashes on Epstein Island. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, Bullet Club Gold and the Acclaimed are in the back. Speaking of continuity, uh, and they talk about how they should combine to be the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Dude, this uh, it's cool. a Dude, it's amazing how quickly Jay White went from number one contender heel to random guy in a backstage segment. No, this is really good, though. I'm very happy for them. You know, it's it's an unfortunate... I love Jay White. I think he will get his moment. I realize it hasn't happened yet. I do think Bullet Club Gold is awesome. And this Bang Bang Scissor Gang, or whatever they're calling themselves... Um, the merch is going to be selling. It's just essentially Bullet Club with scissors on it. It's the smartest. Speaking of like getting rid of the T-shirt person, whoever. I feel like the T-shirt person wrote this fucking feud. This thing is going to sell merch. It's fun. They're all very funny. And then at the end of it, 
what needs to happen is Billy Gunn does eventually need to go away. He can't be the trio's champion. The trio's title has been absolutely wasted on these guys. And so after this long situation, which should be enjoyable, uh, bang, bang, you know, the bullet club turns on the acclaimed and daddy asses final matches with his kids in some fashion. I mean, this, this shows how out of touch. AW is bang bang scissor gang. You are trying to reach out to the non existent lesbian wrestling audience. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, the, le- the lesbians who shoot guns. <laughs> I just imagine a bunch of people turning off. It's the, it's the bang bang scissor. Oh, oh, it's just uh, it's just guys in, in tights fighting. <laughs> Well, speaking I think of the segments, will be fun. Juice does have to come back at some point. Does, does he? he? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I think I think they've squeezed enough out of the juice. <laughs> they've wheezed the juice. <laughs> oh man! Um, so Samoa Joe comes out wisely in a suit because it is chilly out there. To... I love, by the way, I love that we're afraid of AI replacing comedy, and then me and Robert do the exact same joke at the exact same time. <laughs> yes, um, I would love for AI to start booking aid. What kind of it kind of does? Um, we yeah, we've if seen you play Tony. Fight Forever though. The AI wasn't very good. <laughs> I tried. I I bought Fight Forever. I tried it like a little bit. I'm just like this is this is no good. Um, I felt bad that I forgot to mention it when we were talking about big failures last year because I think that literally was their biggest failure, like financially. They lost about like forty billion. Yeah, did you even texted that to us? You were like, "That's my that is my down for the year," and it kind of should be because I was I would have bought a switch if um if this game was any good. If anybody told me it was worth my time, uh, yeah, they really fumbled the ball. Like I would have played video games again. That's crazy. They really could have got actual old fans of wrestling video games to play, and they didn't. And the amount of shit talking that they did for like three years leading up to this, and wrestling games suck now. We're gonna make it better. And not only not only is it bad, but they're they're actively taking advantage of their fans by making them pay for all this DLC. It's like you made a broken game. At least give them something for free. And the DLCs are expensive. You get like Tony yeah, Storm, and it's like fifteen bucks or something. Yeah, I, that's bad. I don't know. I bought two when I got a, my. I set my PlayStation up. I bought WWE Two K Twenty Three. It was the first one I played in a long time. It was a lot of fun. I just enjoyed the game. It was fun playing like the John Cena mode. Uh, and then I bought the AEW game because I was like, let's see what if they keep saying. This is like No Mercy, and I love No Mercy. And it was. Uh, I don't know. It was weak. Uh, Samoa Joe in this segment. This was not a weak segment. This was my my favorite segment, probably of the show. Joe comes out in a suit. He talks about how uh, he's going to care about records and wins and losses, and there's going to be a, a championship committee to determine who he's going to face. He just said, "I care about records and wins and losses in my own company." That would have been killer. Uh, it, he was yes. This was this was like Tony Khan. Uh, using Samoa Joe as his avatar to go out there and and talk about how to properly book world title contenders. But fuck it, Joe's awesome. Uh, Swerve comes out. They square off because the question was like, is Joe a babyface or a heel? Because he was a heel because he aligned with the devil. But then the devil and his, you know, merry band of little guys 
uh, decided that they were going to go after the world title. So Joe is not a baby face. He's not a heel. He's just Samoa Joe. Uh, swerve. Yeah, there's a few wrestlers who like they're they're not a baby face. They're not a heel. They're just a guy who has to pay his bills. And that seems to be their like main motive. And yeah. they're kind of always the best. Yes. The Brock Lesnar's just... the I'm going to come in. I'm going to beat you up. I need this, especially because I have things that I need to maintain my life. Because yeah, that's realistic. I mean, yeah, that's it's why... great. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know what that you know, uh, every character uh, had that story on Power Slap. That was everyone on Power Slap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need a sandwich. Please let me slap you, and if I win, I can get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I bought a truck, and I have to make monthly payments on it. Yeah, that's that's why Jim Ross is there. Um, <laughs> so Swerve comes out, but the problem was he comes out with the gates of agony and Brian cage who we just saw lose like 30 minutes prior. So I don't want to see him associating with goofs and losers. Uh, he, st- he squares off with Joe and speaking of goofs and losers, hangman Adam page comes out and hangman his, his promo skill now is literally just yelling 1980s wrestler. There's no, there's no nuance to it. There's nothing interesting about it. He's just screamy, yelly guy, and he kind of. But sucks. enough about the guy who played Ric Flair and Iron Claw. <laughs> I still haven't seen Iron Claw yet, but I, I you showed me the clip. That was fucking awful. Uh, Scott, defend your boy, Hangman. Oh, I just th- I think he's a very good promo. I think he's a phenomenal promo. I think he's such a good promo that everyone was laughing about how Seth Rollins' first promo face to face with CM Punk sounded a lot like a Hangman promo, and it was. Seth's best promo in ever because it's going to uh, make money. Well, that's true, but <laughs> I, I'm talking about you know, on the mic. I mean, I think Hangman is phenomenal on the mic. I think there is something about Hangman that is contentious with people, obviously, because of the CM Punk situation. But the truth of the matter is, he shows up and he has the best matches, uh, a lot like the Bucks, right? Uh, you and and I think Hangman even less than the Bucks. I I, I think. Hangman hate is a little uncomfortable uh, because I don't really know where it comes from. The crowd goes crazy every time he comes out. Um, The matches are good. The promos are good. The entrance is good. I don't know what's bad about it. And in terms of him being involved in the match, which it's like we're going to get an eventual trios, I think they want Swerve to get the title. I think Swerve deserves the title. I do not think the character of Swerve deserves a giant pop in a oh my god he finally became the champion that's not his story he's he's a motherfucker who nobody in the company should want to have the title and so you do need to kind of work around it where when he wins it's it's fishy and it's wonky and it's not great and it's jr going that rap scallion or whatever the fuck he's gonna say and in a in a triple threat match you can get that especially with someone like hangman who if it's Hangman's fault and Hangman's error that Swerve ends up winning this match, that's yeah. fun for him too. That's There's a good just story. a million ways you can go with it, and it just feels like the better match at this point. There was, and I liked the uh, the Hook face-off at the end. I think that'll be an interesting— Oh, people went nuts for Hook. Nuts! Because they like his entrance. They like him. He has a strong record, and 
He's a he seems like a good dude. Uh, and that's get- next week. And I think Joe needs to kill him. I think Joe needs to choke him out. Yeah. Um. I think Taz needs to at some point Taz needs to enter the ring and like check on his battered boy. And I yes. think it's yeah. the moment to do that. My boy, my beautiful boy. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I think you know because part of this is also, oh, Hook is undefeated. But does he deserve to challenge the champion? That That's kind of the comments people were making online. No, he doesn't. And now he's going to find out next week when Joe murders him. Well, we got, uh, speaking of murders, we got Sammy Guevara. I, I just, versus- I just um, Taz is completely unable to compete, right? Yeah, he's he's physically like, he'll, he'll, he'll fall apart. He can't do it. Which is- okay, because yeah, they- I was going to say, man, what a fucking money angle that would be. But obviously, if he can't, because it is amazing, like Samoa Joe is kind of the modern version of Taz. Well, I think Taz managed him in TNA. Okay, I don't yeah, want to. Don't, don't make me think about TNA stuff. Yeah, uh, no, they right. played off of that a little. Because you're right. I mean, even like Samoan Submission Machine. That that's such a Taz. That, if I saw Taz, I'd go, No, that's him. That's the Samoan Submission Machine. And you go, No, he's from Red Hook. I go, Oh. All right, so the next the next match was is less important than what really occurred after. So you had Ricky Starks versus Sammy Guevara in a competitive, spirited match. After the match, they go to shake hands. Big Bill attacks Sammy, and then we get Judas blasting at the loudest decibel humanly possible before heads start exploding so that Chris Jericho can come out there and make the save so that the audience can be completely drowned out. They play the music the entire uh, physicality, like a New Jack match. And according to uh, one of the guys on our WrestleRose page who was there, the crowd was still booing the shit out of Chris Jericho, even though they were trying to cover this up with Judas. Uh, to to quote the television show Letterkenny, fucking embarrassing. Mike? So embarrassing. I mean, what oh. is going what was going on in his head as he's running around having this fight, his music is blasting and he's still being booed. And we know the intention. It's so odd. Okay. So, you know, um, there have been uh, a lot of uh, victims in this. uh, Nick Hausman, Chris Jericho feud. Most importantly, you know, Kylie Ray and, and, and not friend that, then Robert Karpolis. I'm forgetting that. Um, but I mean, you look know, like they really need to address this in some way if it is over, you know, like over exaggerated, then say it. But I don't think you can just keep having him out there as a TV character every week and act like nothing happened. You know, Tony's answer, um, I th- I think he could have just fucking dipped it in the bud at the press conference, but his answer was way more confusing than it was clarifying. And um, this, this is a continuing issue. And in the same way that, you know, wrestling fans are, are followers, in the same way they all started singing Judas because they saw people doing it on TV, they're going to fucking boo them because they see people doing it on TV and they want to be a part of that. And so you gotta, you got to take care of this and, and be responsible. Look, I know that he's one of the, your bigger stars. He's one of your bigger money makers, but 
if something happened, you know, they all of this, we don't talk about this stuff. That doesn't work here, you know. And this isn't just like a few people fighting over things said at a press conference. This is, you know, a human being that felt violated. So this is a more serious issue. And they, they got to do something. You know, the thing I, is I don't they, have they a clear won't. answer of what that is, but you can't just ignore it. So that's what they're trying to do. And I think that's where I got the most frustrated with this because, you know, Nick said what he said. Somebody else then tweeted specifically talking about the Kylie Ray situation. Then Kylie Ray sort of responded and the thing kind of exploded. And then they just want to like put their head in the sand and ignore it. At, at no point, like all Tony Khan needed to do is say Nick Hausman's a lying piece of shit. There's no there's no validity and truth to any allegations ever about Chris Jericho in any sort of malfeasance, misbehaving, whatever thing is put to bed. Chris, who has a podcast, who doesn't shut up about anything like he talks about Benoit still to this day, could have gone on his podcast and said there is zero validity, zero credibility to any of this. I defy anybody to say otherwise. Fuck you all. Doesn't do that. And instead, it's just we're going to keep putting you out on TV as a character. And then to combat the audience from booing you, we're going to play music really, really loudly and then have you have your title match on Battle of the Belts, a show that even Scott won't watch. Oh, oh, I know. I mean, I never watched the Battle of the Belts. I, you know, I fast forward through them the next day. They're they're never worthwhile. I'm well, happy with the is. Battle of the Belts in the sense that if you're going to do it, get it over with. I think it should have happened already. Uh, I know Jericho Cruz is in like a week or two. It's in January, so he'll be gone. I don't think he should be on the next pay-per-view. Now, the unfortunate thing is eventually he is going to come back and he's going to get that return pop. And it's like, ugh, because if you don't settle things, which I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to make him disappear and then return. And again, he's going to get that cheer like, dude, Tony Khan. You think he steps in shit, and then he, like, tells you it's the type of shoe he bought. Uh, the fact that they gave Ric Flair his own entrance last night when you don't need to is you, like, standing in shit firmly and um, kind of mocking us for saying that, hey, it smells like shit in this room. Maybe take your shoes off. It's, like, really bothersome, and um, it comes off disrespectful. Like, that shit was very disrespectful. That blasting of the music was, like... That was some like a clockwork orange shit. Like, why are we blasting this music while this man is out here running? Um, and we can't hear these people's uh, booze. Like, you're preventing the truth from coming out, even though we're seeing their lips moving. It seems like they're being silenced and a song is being... It's like Saw does that. This is like, why are you making us victims of your weird shit? No, no. Jigsaw thinks, Jigsaw thinks things out and those plans execute well. Tony has not shown that level of sophistication. It was just such a funny, like, spinal tap moment of just Jericho, like, play it loud and just keep it going. It's just what a dumb, awful moment. And it's funny, too, because it's like the illusion of pro wrestling when, when someone's out there doing something heroic, but they're not seen as a hero and you just, like, see how goofy and fake it all is and, like, how just out of shape he is and i mean i don't i don't get why he's in a battle of the belts his is always doing the most work <laughs> uh next up i'm sure mike's favorite match of the night it was a 9:30 special uh an eight woman tag match willow nightingale chris statlander thunder rosa and anna jay who's now a baby face uh because i guess she was a Brody lee favorite 
against Soraya, Julia Hart, Sky Blue, and Ruby Soho. Again, this was a second kind of meaningless eight-person tag match on the show. It didn't make a ton of sense, and it didn't feel like the right way to go and honor Brody Lee, but I could just be really harsh about this. Uh, Look, man, they did four weeks of AEW Dynamite women's matches in one match. (laughs) You know, um, yeah, this was was, was a cluster. I I, I will, you know, I will say this. I didn't speak on it. Um, I do think that AEW has done a very commendable job of of honoring the memory of Brody Lee and keeping him in people's hearts and stuff like the way that he's been treated versus the way that Bray was just completely forgotten and even a fucking afterthought on his own tribute show the day after he died was embarrassing to me um but uh so I love that he is such like a valuable part of the company and not only that but means so much to the wrestlers and that always continues i they've they've been nothing but exemplary in how they've treated his passing i think um even if the matches or or whatever it's still when they did that clip of him and stuff like it's it's you know touching stuff um you know oh wait sorry we we, we're not talking about jericho anymore but uh (laughs) Um, I, I think, yeah, this was, yeah, this was just a cluster and a mess. I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen, but there are these like videos. I don't know if they're on TikTok with the AEW women's wrestlers. They're pretty funny where they're like, say like, I'm a female wrestler, which means I, I think it's like a, like a version of a trend on TikTok where people like take their occupation and they have these different, you know, jokes and stuff. And like one of them was Anna Jay saying she's like, I'm a female wrestler. And I really love when you're at my hotel before I am. <laughs> and and it was and it, you could see like how much personality like a lot of these women have. And it just sucks that they're perpetually stuck in this very limited amount of screen time where they're never allowed to grow. Well, there was one thing, sorry, I missed this earlier. There was the Tony Storm Mariah May segment. And Tony Storm has shown that if you let somebody run with their personality they can be money and her mariah may ask me did you see my match and she's like i was sent the screener i saw one frame and that was it like yeah, she's she goes, having you do an arm drag yes did you do an arm drag like tony storm is having that, a uh, it doesn't feel written it feels like she's coming up with it on the spot it, it it uh if not it's perfectly written she's knocking it out of the park like when i watch her shit i'm like oh like comedically this is She's actually giving the funny responses. She's not giving a response that works. She's giving like the funniest response. She's really impressive. Oh, I don't know. I think the funniest response was in the next segment with Wheeler Yuta, where he unironically calls himself Mr. Rampage because they have relegated him <laughs> to Rampage. <laughs> Mr. Free on Friday nights. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Mr. I know. Rampage is like sounds like a paper route. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rampage sounds like something yeah, a guy says about himself in the arcade. Look how many buildings I can destroy with a gorilla. I'm Mr. Rampage. <laughs> Dude, I so, think I think I think that uh I just wanted to the second, yeah. The this Tony Storm like character work is some of the best, if not the best character work that we've seen in AEW. I mean, she's fucking 
incredible. She is the first person to make you not ask why is Luther on screen. That is a feat. That is that is very talented. Um, next up, we got Roderick Strong against Scott Alvarez. And I'm sorry, no, Brian Keith. Sorry, I switched my uh, wrestling journalist there. Uh, Roderick Strong beats Brian Keith. And then we got an undisputed kingdom promo that was, uh, politely speaking, grim death. The highlight of all of this is the look on Wardlow's face where you can literally hear the Curb Your Enthusiasm music playing in the background as he realizes he's stuck in this stupid fucking angle. Scott, why am I wrong and why was this the dopest thing you've ever seen? No, no, you're right. I, um, like I said on Collision, I think it was, yeah, it was Collision. Mike Bennett and uh, Matt Taven looked good. They looked serious and I liked it. I think Roderick Strong looked good tonight. I don't think any, there's only been two promos. I think they've been bad. Uh, bad to the point where you have a guy Wardlow that like pretty immediately you kind of need to get him out of the group because you've, you've botched it. He's revealed too much in his face and in the way you're presenting it, that he does not want to be there with them. And so for that to already be the story, like that needs to be the story a few months into you guys being a group, you guys show us your faces. And when he reveals his face, he's giving an eye roll and doing like a jerk off motion. This makes no sense. And so I think it's, uh, yeah, I think because of that, it's, it, yeah, you it, don't, you don't want someone in the ring doing an impression of the fans watching it. <laughs> yeah. It just you just go what 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 do you do with with Wardlow? How do you get him out of this quick without admitting that there was no reason to have him there in the first place? You sign him to NXT. Yeah. The it's uh this the- be every big man story, you know, we hired you, we needed you because you're you could get the job done. Other than that, you're useless to us and then he needs to beat them up, but No, they know how to book big they know how to book big guys strong. In the main event, Kanoshke Takeshita and uh, Hobbs lost to <laughs> Sting and Darby Allen. No way! Hobbs no. got pinned by Sting. Did so, you see how he got pinned though? Yes, by Sting. I was upset at first. Sting falling backwards through tables while holding Hobbs, and by then, the neck, brother. Yeah, by the neck, and then and then pinning him, and then Sting, who should have been you know dead, immediately popping back up, even though he just went through tables and beat Hobbs. Uh, so that they could announce his his opponent for his final match ever. Uh, before we even get to that, this felt super weird because I thought Takeshita looked so strong last week beating Darby clean, and then you just put these guys out there to lose to Sting. Am I am I being like a cranky old man? I mean, in my opinion, you are <laughs> because it is a tag match. It was chaos, and the way you pin Hobbs, I. I, I was upset because, one, I don't think they should ever do that spot again. I understand falling from high places, going through tables. The way he grabbed his neck and the fact that they both had to go backwards, and they both kind of missed the table, especially Hobbs' neck, it looked really bad. And I thought yeah. they were panning away because they had a problem on their hands. So this match I saw a lot. I saw the main event live, and I thought afterwards we were going to get reports that Hobbs was really hurt. Uh, and I didn't like that, but yeah, um, saying so that, I, damn, what a way to pin a guy that I thought you killed a man. So yeah, you could pin him. I thought he was dead. Sorry to, to interrupt. I, I do have to leave. I, I, I 
I have therapy. Um, I will be talking about this Hobbs match. Uh, <laughs> but I just wanted to say uh, it was great talking with you dudes. And um, check out Turbo Fonzarelli, uh, Pete Davidson's new special on Netflix. I got to go on tour with him the last five months and see him develop this thing from nothing to what I think is like an amazing, really funny comedy special. So so check it out. Watch the thing so you can understand all of the think pieces that have been written yes. about this in the last yep. like, 48 hours. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. it's right, been later, a rough guys. time for comedy. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so speaking of comedy, after this match was over, they announced Sting's last opponent, essentially. And it looks like it's going to be Sting and Darby against the Young Bucks. And when you think back on Sting's classic career, obviously the thing that comes to mind is Sting versus the Young Bucks. <laughs> well, I, I do understand that comment because you're right. When you look back at Sting's career, um, you go, man, I he she. He should wrestle, uh, what, Lex Luger? <laughs> like, unfortunately, when you look back at Sting's career, he can't wrestle anybody you want him to wrestle. Uh, I think in the context of AEW, look, Sting versus Darby is obviously the dream singles match. And yeah, you want a singles match out of Sting. Um, I've loved him in these tag matches. I understand he's older and, and you want to protect him. But I didn't know it was actually Sting is saying, I, I don't want to do a singles match. I guess he doesn't have confidence in himself in doing a singles no, match. No, he does not. Which I suppose I understand. I mean, look, at the end of the day, every Sting match we've seen, it seems like they've all gotten holy shit chance. And this is awesome chance. And a big reason is because in those matches, Darby is running around getting murdered and then Sting will fall off of something. And that works out. I think if Sting looks at the roster and I do think this is Sting's choice. I think when you look at the roster and you think about a tag team uh, and you think about a crowd reaction and a final match where the crowd is going crazy and a story is being told, you can't go wrong with the young bucks. Despite a lot of young buck hate, the truth of the matter is when you go back and you watch the matches, they are barn burners. They are from start to finish. You know, that whole super kick party thing, that shit started at Ring of Honor. I remember going to Ring of Honor shows, and when they came out, all of a sudden it became a party. And yes, part of it is because, oh, a spot fest. But in truth, they are also the guys who when they show up on pay-per-views, they have the best matches on the pay-per-views when they're not on the pay-per-views you go hey that pay-per-view was lacking what was that about and you realize oh maybe it's because they didn't have a young bucks banger uh, i think sting knows this i think sting has been in the company long enough that he hears the crowd reactions he hears the chance he's been at these pay-per-views where everybody leaves going god damn did the young bucks just steal the show again uh the young bucks especially at pay-per-views, they're known for in-tag matches stealing the show. Uh, that hasn't been the case over the last year, but it was the case for a long time, and I think it can be the case for Sting's last match. Okay, so Zach, producer Zach, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the <laughs> audio that Scott just said, and every time he said Young Bucks, replace it with the correct answer, which was FTR. <laughs> well, now... <clears throat> FTR has stolen every pay-per-view they've been in, number one. Number two, they've been underutilized. They haven't last been year, on any of the pay-per-views. They, they, but also, for, just from a historical perspective, as guys who model themselves 
after essentially Arn and Tully, guys who clearly grew up NWA super fans, guys who in the Carolinas would get a huge reaction and the narrative of it would be the greatest honor of our career to give you Sting your last match, but that doesn't mean that we're going to go easy on you and we're going to give you the match of your career. That's all you need. The problem with the Bucks right now is they are so politically radioactive that this is going to be insidery and annoying when this should have just been Sting and Darby having Sting's last match against a great tag team. And FTR absolutely should have been that tag team. Instead, it's let's talk more about the Young Bucks and the snarky bullshit that they're going to do backstage. Well, I think two things. I think you are right about FTR and that story to the point where I was thinking all last night that either before this match, we should get an FTR Bucks match. Yeah. Where because FTR should be saying, no, we want to fight them because in a respectful way, you want to fight them and hurt them. We want to fight them and hurt them, but we're going to hug them after, you know, yeah. Um and I also think that leaves open the possibility of a triple threat tag match where it's like guaranteed sting, um, you know, barely has to do anything. And you're you can't you can't match. bury sting that much in it. Sure. I think exactly. he wanted he wanted opponents that were going to make him look good. I think the Bucks. And, yeah, and I think do at the that. end of the day, FTR, although we agree, amazing in many ways, better than the Bucks. Uh, I think something they might not be better at the Bucks then is taking someone that fragile like Sting and doing gymnastics around them. Like those things matter. And, and you know, when FTRs are like all fists, no flips, um, part of that is they are a, a bit rough. And maybe Sting is, is worried that that's not the match he can have. Um, I know they can work around it, but I'm saying in his head, he's going, ah, i rather... Um, I'd rather do a little more ballet than than something that might bruise me up. Either uh, way, well, he's well, getting bruised up and he's probably going to get a concussion. It's his well, last we'll, going to Yeah, take I'm head. sure it will be. All right, let's, uh, let's do high spot, low spot here, Scott. Uh, what's your high spot, low spot of the week? My high spot is after uh, Wrestle Kingdom last week. Uh, after every Wrestle Kingdom the, a day later, they do New Year's Dash. And at mm -hmm. New Year's Dash, a few things happened. And a result of New Year's Dash, a few matches were announced. So I'll just like get to a few of them. Um, Tanahashi was leaving um, after his match at New Year's Dash, and a Matt Riddle video played. So we're getting Matt Riddle versus uh, Tanahashi at New Beginning in Sapporo on February 4th. Um, also on February 4th, Dolph Ziggler, um, Nick Nemeth, is fighting Dave Finley. Nick Nemeth, uh, begging you. Nemeth? It's Nemeth? It's Nemeth, yeah. Oh, damn. Uh, also, on February 11th at New Beginning in Osaka, we're getting Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a, it's a submission match. I hope it's a submission match. I'm sure but there'll be some submissions. Again in Japan, which is badass. And also in New Beginning in Osaka, we're getting the War Dogs, which is like a version of Bullet Club with David Finley, Um against United Empire, which is Will Ospreay's crew, in a cage match. So it's kind of like a, uh, you know, a, a War Games match, which never happens in New Japan. So there's like a few things happening in New Japan that feel fresh. You saw the thing with uh, 
Tamatanga being like taken off the New Japan website and Evil being uh, declared champion on the website. And then they release video where Evil is like goes to the people who are in control of the website and makes them change. Just cute little things that New Japan is not known for. And something like a cage, I think New Japan's only done two cage matches ever. And it certainly hasn't been in the last decade. So it's it's cool. And I'm annoyed. So th- this was surprised you. That was going to be my high spot of the week. No that shit. To- that awesome. Tomatonga evil thing. Um, yeah, it's fun. A couple people sent that to me. It was like, I love everything about that in terms of storytelling. That absolutely cracked me up. Uh, what was your low, your, uh, low spot? Oh, my low spot was Tony Khan uh, tweeting. I thought, like I told you guys earlier, I don't tweet at all. And like when a guy does something like that, it's just, that is so disrespectful towards a talent for no reason. Jinder is just living his life, finally gets some airtime, and then someone from some other company has to bitch about it. And Tony should know better in the sense that you already know people are bitching about it because you you get trolls constantly bitching about you. You don't think Jinder is getting tagged and shit all day about how he shouldn't be in that spot, and then you're going to jump onto it? Uh, you are a troll. You you are a loser. And, and it really, like, it... it it was a moment where I go like, well, I don't need to watch your show. Like, I'm going to watch it because, you know, I like the show. But when he does things like that, I go, all right, I'll hold off on watching it. <laughs> like, it it uh, it really makes me not want to – I don't give money to them. But it, it makes me want to not hypothetically give money to them. So well, that is my uh, high spot. Yeah. I'll take that. My my high spot – yeah, most, one of my high spots was going to be the that New Japan bit because I thought that was clever. My other high spot was – the Drew McIntyre CM Punk promo on Raw Monday night I thought was a lot of fun. It was a good way to do sort of a, a a little bit of a work shoot and build some interest to those guys just being in the Rumble. My low spot, another Chris Jericho story that came out. Uh, we had heard rumblings about this probably about a week and a half ago, and then it finally did come out that on the Jericho cruise in 2020, he had an altercation where MVP knocked him the fuck out. Uh, They then subsequently had an altercation in a hotel lobby where Jericho fled to an elevator saying he doesn't fight jobbers. And as someone who has worked with MVP, uh, who considers MVP a friend, he is probably top five on my list of guys you never, ever, ever want to fuck with. So just insane. Insane that you're the guy who it's your cruise. Like it's named after you. You're the one with the financial liability for it. Try not to be a dickhead in that sort of situation and then get knocked out by a uh, very nice but very scary MVP. Yeah, I um I remember that story from a few years ago and it got buried pretty quick. I know the elevator story where he says he doesn't what he doesn't fight with job. He called MVP a job or just uh, yeah, you know, more and more will come out about people like this and then you get to make your judgments. But MVP looks like gold. Yes, he does, as he should, uh, as we do, because we love getting to do this show. And it was fun getting to, you know, talk shop with you and Mike. And uh, I think Dan's going to try to jump back on next week. I know he's he's running around doing gigs. Uh, Scott, what is it that you'd like to plug? Oh, you can listen to my other podcast, Out for Smokes. Other than that, oh, New Japan has a show, Battle in the Valley, on Saturday. Okada versus Osprey, Riddle's fighting in a tag match. There's a few other bangers where I'm like, oh. You going to watch that? Uh, Not live, but I will watch. I will watch it for sure. 
Well, my guess is then if you're a Patreon fan, that Scott will probably drop a little. Oh, yeah, little, that's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll talk about that on the Patreon. A little New Japan Corner collision, chat. Smackdown, and then Collision, yeah. SmackDown. Yeah, because SmackDown this week will Smackdown be. It's uh, like a, a slight pay-per-view every week anyway, you know, so. Yeah, they're kind of, they're trying to over-deliver going into Rumble. It's a long weekend this weekend, too, which is nice. It's a three-day Three-day weekend for, for most, unless you're, like, racist. Like, it's a three-day weekend for you. So that's exciting and a lot of fun uh, for, for MLK Weekend. Uh, I have another show, in case you haven't heard of it, called Rumor and Innuendo with uh, the not-at-all controversial Nick Hausman, where uh, every day at noon Eastern, we do a half hour talking about the news of the day. It's, it's light, it's breezy, it's easy to listen to, and only once in a blue moon do we wind up tearing down a major AEW talent um, and then trend worldwide because of it and deal with fucking countless AEW bots coming after us on Twitter. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. Uh, thank you to, the, to those of you that are, are Patreon uh, fans. Scott and I were on there doing uh talking smackdown uh and i think mike joined too that happened right or am i hallucinating yeah mike was on with the smackdown when we talked about smackdown collision and the paul Heyman stuff with nick all of this that was a lot of fun um scott anything else that you want to uh tell the fine folks before we wrap this sucker up oh sure wash your hands wash your hands